Well, what's going on, Liberty 412 folks? Uh, so glad to be with you again. We are in week two of Reason for the Season. Um, as we are breaking down the uh, scriptures in Matthew and Luke of the birth of baby Jesus. And last week we talked about when the angels came to Mary and Joseph and uh, told them the news that they would be giving birth uh, and having a son that would be the savior of the world. And in youth last week, we talked about the pressure of that um, and how they handled it and how we would have handled it if we got some random news that would be completely life-changing and altering. Uh, we talked about the weight that would be felt of knowing that the salvation of the world was going to be in your hands, that you were going to have to raise this child, this uh, Savior, um, and allow him to get to full maturity and allow him not to die. Um, and we talked about that. We talked about the, uh, the intricacies of their, the time and the culture of Mary and Joseph and how, um, you know, in, in that time, in the Jewish custom, it was a very honor-shame culture which meant that you did nothing to shame your family name. And by Joseph sticking with Mary and continuing to marry her, as the angel of the Lord told Joseph to do, he was probably ostracized. He was probably kicked out of his family. Uh, him and Mary were probably sent on their way, probably were very poor, didn't have much of anything to their name, um, but they were following the Lord. And, and so we're going to talk about that a little bit more as we dive in today's scriptures. Uh, but today we're going to be in Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 through 18. Uh, that is where uh, the wise men come to meet Jesus. They also stop by and see King Herod to ask him about this Savior that had been born. And we're going to talk about Herod and his response. We're also going to be talking about uh, in Luke chapter 2, verses 1 through 21, how the angels appeared to the shepherds and their response um, and what all this means for us as believers and as Christians and how this can apply to us in today's world. Uh, so we're going to dive right in first in Matthew chapter 2 verses 1 through 18. I'm going to read the whole thing and then we're going to go to Luke and then I got some questions for us. It says this in verse 2, now, now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem saying, where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose, and we have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all of Jerusalem with him. And assembling all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. And they told him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for so it is written by the prophet, And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod summoned the wise men secretly and ascertained from them what time the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem saying, Go search diligently for this child. And when you have found him, bring, him, bring me word that I too may come and worship him. After listening to the king, they went on their way and behold, the star that had been that they had seen when it rose went before them until it came rest over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going to the house, they saw the child with Mary his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. Then, opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. And being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country by another way. 
Then it says in verse 13, Now when they had departed, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, Rise and take your child and his mother and flee to Egypt and remain there till I tell you. For Herod is about to search for the kid, the child, and destroy him. And he rose and he took the child and his mother by night and departed to Egypt and remained there until the death of Herod. This was to fulfill what the Lord had spoken of the prophet. Out of Egypt I called my son. Then Herod, when he saw that he had been tricked by the wise men, became furious. He sent and killed all the male children in Bethlehem and in all the region that who were two years old and under, according to the time that he had ascertained from the wise men. Then was fulfilled what was spoken by the prophet Jeremiah. A voice was heard from Ramah, weeping and loud lamentations, Rachel weeping for her children. She refused to be comforted because they are no more. So this is the account of Matthew giving us of the wise men coming to see Jesus. Uh, and we see that they stopped by Herod first and Herod got jealous and, and tried to trick the wise men into saying, hey, when you find this king, when you find this baby, please let me know where he is so I can come worship him, which was obviously a ruse. But when the wise men did not return to Herod, he got jealous. And so in order to uh, basically end this kingship, to kind of uh, control his kingdom and make sure that he was always on the throne, he decided to go to the, Be the region of Bethlehem and he was going to kill every male-born child from the ages two and under. But we see that God's provision was over Mary and Joseph and over Jesus, and an angel of the Lord came and told them, hey, you need to flee to Egypt. Now we're going to pick that back up here in a minute, but we're going to go to Luke chapter 2 and read verses 1 through 21. This is the uh, account, Luke's account, and it talks about the shepherds and the angels. It says, In those days a decree went out from Caesar Augustus, that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria, and all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph went up from Galilee, from, from the town of Nazareth, to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, and to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes, laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. And in the same region there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were feel, filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth, amongst, and on earth peace among those whom he is pleased. When the angels went away from them and in, into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let us go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told to them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And, and the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told to them. 
And at the end of the eighth day, when, the, when he was circumcised, he was called Jesus, the name given by the angels, the angel before he was conceived in the womb. All right, so here's two different accounts of these wise men coming to see Jesus and also these angels coming to shepherds to talk to Jesus. Um, and what I find amazing about this is, you know, what, what do you think this means for us? What do you think the significance of the angels came to the shepherds, but we also have an account of these wise men, which if you don't know anything about wise men, they were probably not Jewish, but they might have been. We don't really know much about them, but they were high to do people. They were people that the King Herod would, would welcome in and, and confront and talk to them. Um, they were high status in, in culture and community. And so what I find interesting is, is that we see that Jesus came and he not only came for the shepherds who was the lowly of the low during this time, they probably stunk, they were sleeping outside with their sheep. Um, he came to them to say, hey, the savior of the world is here. But he also had the wise men come and kneel down before Jesus. So you have these two polar opposites. You have the lowly of the low and you have the highest of the high coming to Jesus and saying, this is the king of the Jews. Now, the significance I think of this when it comes to mind is that Jesus came for everyone. And in Revelation chapter 5, verses 9 through 10, it says this, And they sang a new song, saying, Worthy are you to take up the scroll and open the seals. For you were slain, and by your blood you ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. And you have made them a kingdom and priests to our God, and they shall reign on the earth. So what we see here in Revelation is it says that Jesus died. His blood ransomed people from every tribe, every language, every people, every nation, the whole spectrum. He didn't just come for one group of people. He didn't just come for one status of people or one, you know, he didn't just come for wealthy people or for poor people. He came from everyone and he is making a kingdom out of all peoples. And so that's what I find important that we see that not only did was Jesus' birth announced to lowly shepherds he was also announced to the high to do people and they came to worship him and they gave him gifts now here's another question why do you think god allowed there to be no room in the end right so why do you think that if the savior of the world was to be born don't you think he would have provided a nicer place than a stable with nasty animals i mean you see mary and joseph they they have been told that the savior of the world is in mary's womb and, and she's going to give birth to this this savior and that all that there is for them to stay in is is a stable with nasty animals you know I, i've always comprehend like listened to this and 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 read this and been like I, god what are you doing here like what what's the deal like i don't understand like he is your son he, he is the savior of the world and the best you could do was a stable well, what's interesting, if you continue to dive into Scripture, I think there was purpose behind this, and, and God had purpose in it. And so if you re read in Philippians chapter 2, verses 4, 4 through 8, it says this, Let each of you look not to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind among yourself, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, through, though he was in, was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant. Being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, 
even the death on the cross. And so what this is talking about is Jesus, even though he was in the form of God, he did not count it equality to, with God to be a thing to be grasped. Basically what it's saying is he humbled himself. He brought himself down to the lowly of the lows in order that he could come and be a servant to us. He, he took the likeness of men and being found in human form, he humbled himself and confined his Godship, his Godhead down into human flesh and came and walked this earth perfectly. If you go on also and read in Hebrews chapter 4, verses 14 through 16, it says this, talking about Jesus, the great high priest, it says, since then we have a high priest who has passed through the heavens. Jesus, the son of God, let us hold fast to our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weakness, but one in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace, that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in a time of need. So what this is saying is Jesus, the great high priest, our king, it says that he lowlied himself and brought himself down into human form. And it says that because of that, he is able to sympathize with us and sympathize in our weakness. And it says that he has been tempted in every way that we are tempted. So he can relate to us. He can, he can say, I know what you're going through. That is an amazing thing. And I think that's why God decided for Jesus to be born in such a, a humble way in a manger with stinky animals was because he wanted Jesus to not just be someone that came and saved the day like Superman, but he wanted to be one that came and saved the day like Superman, but also could understand where us as humans are coming from. He humbled himself to be just like us in order that he could know us and walk with us and live with us and have life with us, but he did it perfectly. That's just amazing to me. Now, here's another thing. You know, it says that Herod wanted to kill Jesus. Like, that, that, is, that shows kind of how, how powerful the name of Jesus was right off the bat. I mean, you have this king that some random men came and said, hey, where's the king of the Jews? Like, why, why is Herod so worried about it? Well, here's the truth of the matter. It's because for years and years and years before, Jewish customs, the word of God had been prophesied and there had been people telling other people that, hey, there's this one that's going to become and he's going to become king. And so Herod had heard of this. And so when the when the uh, wise men showed up, what did it do? What, what do you read? You see that Herod actually called all the scribes and all the people together, the chief priests, and said, hey, what does the Bible say? What is it again? See, Herod knew, knew the scriptures. He had heard it enough to know that one day there will become a king and there will, will be a Messiah. And Herod was like, I'm not willing to give up my throne yet. But what I find interesting is, is how would you feel if you were Mary and Joseph? They have a baby. An angel came and said, hey, you're going to have a baby that you didn't plan on. They were then forced to travel to another town because of a census so that they could pay taxes. They had no place to stay. Mary gave birth in a barn. And now the king is looking to kill their son. And, ha and so they get another dream. Joseph gets another dream from an angel and says, hey, you need to flee to Egypt into a foreign land because King Herod is coming for your son. He looks to destroy him. Now, this doesn't sound like a whole lot of fun. It actually sounds like Mary and Joseph's world got completely turned upside down. It, it doesn't feel like it's something that 
God would want for the Savior of the world. Like if, if there was a chance for the world to be redeemed, wouldn't you want it to be tied in a nice little box with a nice little bow and everything go right and it all go, go perfectly according to plan? Well, here's the truth of the matter. It did go according to plan, according to God's plan. But most often, our plans as humans, as we see moving forward in life, it does not go the way we want it, but it does go perfectly according to God's plan. And this is what I want to say about that is following God is not always fun and easy. In John chapter 16, verse uh, 33, Jesus tells us like, take heart, you will have trials and tribulations, but I have overcome the world. So the truth of the matter is, is we are going to have trials and tribulations. We see that the fact that Mary and Joseph were willing to follow God and follow his plan and, and give birth to Jesus and raise him. They weren't completely protected from all these trials and tribulations. It, it came from them at every corner. Satan was after them at every corner. So what is God's plan? What is his goal in allowing us to go through hard times? Well, if you read in James chapter chapter 1, verses uh, two, 2 through 4, it says this, Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, no, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. Well, what's interesting about that is when we talk about we may be perfect, like that perfect image is Jesus. And so if you go on and read again in, uh, in 2 Corinthians 3, uh, chapter 3, verse 18, it says, And we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree to, of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. And so what we are doing is God is using these trials and tribulations. He's using these moments in Mary and Joseph's life. And he's using these hard times and these, these, these things that are, not, are less than pleasant. And he's transforming us more into the image of Christ. And so here's the truth matter. Do we want hardships? No. Are they going to come? Absolutely. And when they come, our best bet is to just do what Mary and Joseph said. Take it as it is and say, all right, Lord, what are you trying to build in me? What, what in me are you trying to get out so that I can be more like the image of Christ? The truth of the matter is, is following Jesus is hard. Following the Lord is hard. And there is going to be trials and tribulations. But at the end of the time, what is being done is, is the potter is making a beautiful clay sculpture. And we are that clay. And so he is trying to get rid of things that he doesn't want. And he is trying to mold things into what he wants so that we become more and more in the image of Christ day by day. And so if we could take anything from the story of Mary and Joseph and how they dropped everything and they just followed the will of the Lord is that it's not going to be easy, but at the end of the day, it's going to be worth it. Because of their faithfulness, Jesus was raised he lived a perfect life, and because of what they did as his parents, he eventually went to the cross to save us all from our sins. One day, we won't be able to make an impact in this world. It may be small, it may be grand, we don't know. But we are to follow Jesus, and every time a trial and tribulation comes, we are to look at it as an opportunity to grow and to become transformed more into the image of Christ. So as we go through this Christmas season, I, I pray you understand, like we romanticize the Christmas story so much, but there's so much in just these few little verses that talk about the hardships 
that Mary and Joseph had to go through, the hardships that Jesus had to go through just to get in order to, to remain born. There, there could have very likely been a time in which he was killed by Herod, but an angel of the Lord came in protection. But that wasn't even easy because they had to flee to a foreign land that they didn't even know and live there for many years until Herod eventually passed away. And so the truth of the matter is, as we go through this Christmas season, let's realize the sacrifice that Mary and Joseph took in order that salvation could come to the, come to the world and also acknowledge that in our life, we have been called to go out and make disciples. We have been called to go be difference makers in the world. And doing that is not always easy. And there will be trials and tribulations, but one day we, have a, we know that we have a hope in Jesus that we will be redeemed and we will be saved and one day, more and more people will hear about Jesus because of the actions we had today, even if that means going through trials and tribulations. Let's go out. Let's be the salt of the world. Let's be the light of the world. And let's go shine Jesus no matter what the personal cost is. Parents, as you walk through the Christmas story with your, parent, uh, with your children, know, uh, know that questions may come up. Answer those questions to the best of your ability. Have great conversations and talk about the hardships. Let's not just talk about the good times. Let's talk about what it actually took for Mary and Joseph to follow the will of the Lord. Y'all have a great week. I hope you have a great Christmas. Remember, our Christmas party is going to be December 20th. That's next Wednesday. It's going to be a great time. Uh, ugly Christmas sweater uh, competition, white elephant competition, hot cocoa. I think we're going to have a fire ring. We're going to have food. It's going to be great. Y'all be there, and uh, we'll see you next week. Stay humble, stay focused, and keep pressing on.